0: mini-episode where we conclude our deep dive into the Telltale series, this time outside of the video games. This is Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and I'm with...
1: This is Andrew, and I live within the world of Indeeds. (laughs) Indeed.
0: (laughs) Indeed, indeed. And so, what is this final (laughs) deep dive then? We've already covered both Season 1 and Season 2 of the games, but in January 2018 uh, DC and Telltale actually released a comic set in the continuity between season one and season two of the game. Uh, It was called Sins of the Father and played around even more with the idea that Thomas Wayne in this continuity was actually a crime lord mastermind uh, who screwed over a lot of people who would end up becoming the supervillains in this version of the rogues gallery, which includes, of course, the Penguin and Lady Arkham in season one. So if you haven't heard those episodes, please go back and listen into them. But uh, assuming that you have, then welcome to this final deep dive into Telltale, and hopefully not the last if they end up creating more material. But as of now, this is the last one. Uh, the script uh, the script writer in this one was Christos Gage, and the artist was Raphael Ayanco. So and this was
1: like one comic, like an annual, like kind of a thicker comic or what?
0: Uh, it was a series. It was oh, a series this, okay. of 12 digital comics. So oh, tw- oh can, I got you. Okay. You can tell okay. that they're digital only because uh, a lot of times when you're navigating on it they show you full panels like each page feels like a full panel or or full series of panels it doesn't feel like a full page where you have to do like guided view or um, panel view or whatever depending on whether you're on comiXology or DC Universe Uh, this one you can just you can just browse through and just click the arrows which makes it easy reading Um, but if it were ever printed in like a trade paperback it would probably actually be pretty short uh, given all that Uh, okay I got you so uh, this is where we kind of dive into one of the first times we've done a comic tie-in type of thing because we find that oh, there's a lot of great material made in the tie-in comics. There's a, right now, as of this record- recording, there's Batman The Adventures Continue uh, on uh, Comicsology, and a lot of digital comics written by Paul Dini and Alan Burnett uh, which continues the continuity of the DC Animated Universe. Uh, and those have become pretty popular. Kevin Conroy even did a reading of that on uh, the DC page. So I think at some point we'll have to dive into those because I've read a few and they're they're amazing. Some of them I, I are better than some of the episodes of b honestly. Wow. Uh, so this is a good sort of niche culture of tie-in comics that have good quality storytelling. And it isn't just like, oh, like it's trying to sell you on like the video game. Like it actually is pretty legit. I think I even read some of the Arkham-related comics a while back. I thought those were pretty good. Uh, But I'd have to go back and read them. But anyway, uh, this one is Sins of the Father, set after season one, after Bruce has defeated Lady Arkham. Uh, And interesting enough, at the end of season one, you have to make a choice where if you make a certain one, Alfred actually loses an eye. Oh my in, God! He's really? In, he's in an eye patch. Yeah,
1: he's got an eye patch, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, and he. Would I've have an never eye heard patch.
1: of. I've never heard of <laughs> Al- uh, Alfred actually getting injured like that. Argy, Master
0: Bruce! <laughs> Here's your tea. <laughs> no, he. Uh, fishy uh, swa
1: as well. There fishy you
0: go. <laughs> no, that's more Sean Connery. Anyway, uh, but interestingly enough, in this comic, Alfred does not have the eye patch, indicating that in regular continuity, maybe. That's not the canon choice to make uh, in this. Uh. So that's an interesting uh, choice that was made here. But it starts off with the idea that Bruce Wayne is getting sued by the families of the people who uh, Thomas Wayne threw into Arkham. Because if we remember, Thomas Wayne drugged a lot of people with a serum... Uh, drug people who were his enemies, people who wouldn't pay him, things like that, threw him into Arkham, and those families have recently discovered, thanks to Lady Arkham and Vicki Vale, uh, the fact that uh, Thomas Wayne was behind all this. They need somebody to blame, and of course, who better to blame than Gotham's favorite son, Bruce Wayne. So Bruce is dealing with this lawsuit, and he wants to find out more about what happened to these people and all the people who took orders from his father. So he talks to the... Excuse me. So Bruce talks to the Arkham doctor's who are forced to help Thomas Wayne, and as he's talking to one of them, one of them gets shot to death. Through A uh, bullet goes through the window, and Bruce has to take cover, and changes into Batman to track down the sniper. And as he tracks down the sniper, he throws a batarang at, at him, and the shooter shoots the batarang in midair. And Batman okay. sees a man in a white mask with a red scope over his eye. And Batman says, whoever he is, he's a dead shot. And that's going to be our villain for Sins of the Father. Dead Dead shot. The Telltale version is what this comic book presents and twists around with a lot of ideas about Deadshot and Batman's stance on guns and things that kind of were hinted at in previous Batman vs. Deadshot stories, but weren't nearly as well as explored in, than in this comic, funny enough. A comic that's a tie-in to a video game. You wouldn't think that you would find this much character stuff in it, but that's where we're at. So, some history of Deadshot. How familiar are you with the Deadshot character? mostly with the Suicide Squad movie or any comics in the past that you might have read? Uh, I've probably read like at least one or
1: two um okay. Deadshot comics or comics with Deadshot in them. Um, and uh, what is it? The main one I think for me is Arkham Origins.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he was in that too.
1: Yeah. So that's like the, the – well, also, of course, uh, Arrow. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely have my exposure.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, some history, a short little deep dive, deep dive into Deadshot. But his first appearance was in 1950, actually. Uh, Batman number 59. He was created by David Vern Reed, Lou Schwartz, and Bob Kane is credited, but who knows how much he involved he was in that. But <laughs> <laughs> David that was Vern, my idea. <laughs> <laughs> David Vern Reed <laughs> is uh, the same writer responsible for naming Harvey Dent in the Two-Face Strikes Again story. Remember, Harvey Dent's original name was Harvey Kent, and he wasn't given the name Dent until the 1950s by David Vern Reed. Uh, But in this issue, uh, Deadshot was alias Floyd Lawton, who was typically seen as like this hitman type from the stuff that you're familiar with in Arkham Origins and Arrow and things like that. In the comics, though, he started off as a rich millionaire like Bruce Wayne. And he tried to establish himself not as a hitman but as a vigilante named Deadshot. And he kinda dressed like the penguin. (laughs) He didn't have the outfit that we're familiar with. He had a top hat and a tuxedo and a tuxedo mask. So very different. Uh, But he uses guns not to kill people but to shoot like guns out of his enemies hands. And Batman was a little suspicious about this new vigilante in town and there's this whole storyline of Commissioner Gordon thinking like oh Batman's just jealous. Uh, and everything, but Batman figures out that Deadshot is only bringing criminals to jail so that he can take over as the crime boss. So, okay, that's what starts this Batman-Deadshot rivalry, and of course we got the implication, it wasn't that big at the time, because remember this is 1950s comics where things were very light and for kids, but there's the fact that you have this character who's very anti-gun with Batman, Versus a character who's very pro-gun or pro-with-the-use-of-guns and uses it all the time and specializes in it. Uh, but Batman faces off with him and brings Deadshot to jail. And he was never seen for an- a good two decades until the 1970s. Uh, okay. This is where our good friend, or not really a friend, but somebody we've mentioned before, Steve Englehart, the guy who uh, kept claiming that Dark Knight stole from his work. Uh, as well as did, uh, did a few uh, script treatments for the 1989 uh, Batman movie that we covered in the episode Ben Reviews the Batman Script from 1982. Uh, Steve Englehart's original run in the 1970s included return, the return of Hugo Strange, Joker doing the Laughing Fish stuff, characters like Rupert Thorne and Silver St. Cloud, but it also included bringing Deadshot back. Uh, he teamed up with Marshall Rogers in Detective Comics 474 and it was called the Deadshot Ricochet. And Deadshot came back for revenge. And when he came back, he didn't have the tuxedo outfit anymore. He had the Deadshot costume that we know today. The white and red one with the white mask and the red scope. And that's what started it. And uh, that even ends with a confrontation with the, between the two of them at a museum with a giant typewriter. So nice. all the giant prop stuff from the Dick Spring era uh, came to life. Uh, but Deadshot still was considered to be kind of a C-list villain. And uh, he was even thrown in to the Batman video game on NES that we talked about oh, yeah. in the retro gaming episode. Uh, but during the 80s, that's kind of when there was a resurgence of this character thanks to the title Suicide Squad. Uh, the writer right. was John Ostrander, and he expanded on this idea of who is this guy who's just super good with guns and Ostrander
1: should- wrote. I guess you could say the quintessential Spectre run in the '90s. Oh, as did he? Well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's. I look this up all the well, not all the time, but every time I look up best Spectre runs because I think Spectre's a cool character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always this this Ostrander run, and also final trivia. Uh, there's an Ostrander street in the Arrow show. They just they just pay a little homage oh, to yeah. him.
0: Uh, in the show with that, any, with a street name. Yeah, any street in the Arrowverse, no matter which show it is, is probably some comic book creator's last name. <laughs> yes, yes. At some yes. point. <laughs> it's a quick way to pay <laughs> homage. Yeah, because it's just like, why not? Like, it's better than just being like, oh, he's on 4th Avenue. Like, at yeah. least gives Boring. something. Yeah, something that excites the, the person watching. So, yeah. uh, Ostrander established that uh, Floyd Lawton, when he was growing up, uh, he had abusive parents and an older brother named Eddie and Eddie and basically the two of them decided at some point to uh, potentially go up against the father, the abusive father. Uh, and when Eddie was attempting to do the kill, uh, Floyd was trying to uh, take a shot uh, with a gun from the treehouse so that he could kill his dad. Uh, but instead he accidentally killed his brother. Okay. uh which led him to swear that he would never miss again <laughs> so that's how he became dead shot <laughs> because that's that's okay. Okay. that's how you uh, never miss kids you have to have a very traumatic incident shooting the wrong person and then from then on you just have the superpower of not missing a single shot because <laughs> that's how yeah. skills work. Uh, But that's, that's what was established, and it was kind of said that he was somewhat suicidal or didn't really care or had a death wish, which was why the idea of doing a suicide squad appealed to him, because he got to redeem himself, but he didn't really care whether he lived or died in these missions that he went on. Okay. And it's kind of seen every now and then or hinted at during the different appearances. Uh, but this version uh, is the telltale type of version of Floyd Lawton that's very different. Uh, it still establishes the same scenario that uh, I described where, yes, there were abusive parents and he did have a brother. But in this version, uh, he didn't end up killing his brother. What happened was a lot worse. Uh, his parents were abusive and he, he and his brother ended up being brave enough to report them to the police where they were taken away. But they were taken to Arkham Asylum where Thomas Wayne was treating them and found out that they owned a building that he wanted to use for Wayne Tower. So in exchange for getting to buy Wayne Tower, he released them back home to the kids. And when they came back, uh, they ended up killing the brother. So Floyd decided to take revenge and trained himself in the gun for many years and ended up killing both of his parents staging it to look like a murder-suicide. And he basically just went on with his life, kind of became his own billionaire playboy like Bruce Wayne, known for kind of just being an adventurer, kind of a Dan Bilzerian type. And that's about it until season one of Telltale happens, and he finds out that Thomas Wayne was the one responsible for letting them out so he's kind of the opposite of Penguin Penguin in the first season you might remember he resents Bruce and the whole Wayne family because his family got locked up this guy resents Thomas Wayne for letting his parents out okay which I thought was a cool twist because at first I'm just like really it's another person who's just like you put my, my family away but uh, Christos Gage I think uh, he was the writer on this I think he knew that that would be too much for a repeat so he switched it around and he twisted it. Uh, and Bruce sort of figures out that Deadshot is Floyd Lawton, based off of his investigations, and he sees the parallels between the two of them, uh, and how they're both rich guys, or rich heirs who went through trauma, and found ways to cope through their co- costume identities. So, already, this is a much more interesting story than just, like, Deadshot's an assassin killing people. I must put him down. Like <laughs> they, they, they definitely wanted to explore some sort of psychological edge to Floyd, and how he would relate to Bruce Wayne. So, his first major confrontation with Deadshot is not as Batman in this comic. It's actually as Bruce. Bruce shows up. Okay. In Telltale fashion, it's more yeah, Bruce oriented. Exactly. Yeah. And and Crystal's Gage uh, is very much true to that. Even though I don't think he was a writer on the video game, it looks like he knew his shit in terms of like what the these versions of the characters would do. And he ends up confronting Floyd, and it's a very tense. It takes up two issues. This confrontation with Floyd, where he's at Floyd's house. He's in the lion's den. And he knows that Floyd is dead shot. But Floyd uh, doesn't know that Bruce is Batman. And Floyd kind of knows that Bruce is onto him and isn't giving any clues. So, like this, this psychological chess match going on, it's very well written. Uh, but they, it sort of leads to Bruce realizing that his, his move here uh, is not, it kind of backfires on him because Floyd's a lot smarter than you would think, and Deadshot in this version is a lot smarter, or more of a criminal mastermind than you would expect, uh, because Bruce realizes, oh, he's going to come after the people I love. He's going to come after Lucius, he's going to come after Alfred, uh, and so he wants to protect them, and as he's trying to protect them, Deadshot shows up at Wayne Manor, and immediately tries to start burning it down. Now, Alfred's in the Batcave at this point, and he's supposed to be protected there, but he, you know, this is the house that he's been taking care of and protecting, Uh, I'm sure some part of him was just like, oh my god, all those years of polishing the silver and now it's going to go in the fucking fire. So uh, he decides to emerge from the Batcave and he says, Apologies, sir, we're not receiving visitors. And he shoots Deadshot in the head. Uh, But Deadshot, of course, recovers because his helmet is uh, bulletproof. Uh, But that's where Deadshot incapacitates him and reveals, Bruce was just a kid when my parents were let out. He didn't know what was going on. I don't actually hate him. You had to know at some point. And you're the one I really came for. So, this is an interesting thing where, for once, Alfred doesn't get kidnapped because of his association with Bruce Wayne or with Batman. Alfred gets kidnapped because of his association with Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Okay. So, that's a cool uh, idea. But uh, Deadshot ends up kidnapping Alfred and Br- uh, Bruce slash Batman, finds him. He finds him as Batman. Um, and Deadshot has this entire. He's got an entire rooftop full of hostages. These are all the Arkham doctors who were forced to work under Thomas Wayne. And he has a bomb vest on Alfred. Batman tries to use his grappling gun to get the detonator off of Deadshot's hand. But Deadshot instead moves his gun in the way so that all Batman gets is one of his guns. And Deadshot says, I can tell you how you can save all these people. Take that gun and shoot me with it. Because he can tell that Batman has a problem with guns. Now, this is a big psychological, like, he's fucking with him psychologically. Because he can kind of tell that, that Batman has that's this cool. thing against it. Uh, and Batman refuses to kill. And he's studied him, and he knows that. And we, us as an audience, we know that's still part of him. Even though you know his dad might have been a piece of shit. But he he still is against that. Uh, and he has to raise the gun on Deadshot. Um, But he still isn't taking the shot. And Deadshot says, I'll count back from ten. And then I shoot the butler and move on to the others. And as Batman has the gun on him, we actually see flashbacks of Bruce watching his parents die. As Floyd's counting it down and what he might have to become in order to save Alfred and all these hostages. And as Floyd goes five, four, three, two, one, Batman fires and he shoots the detonator out of Floyd's hand. (laughs) And Deadshot's that's like, it. "What the hell? How did you make that shot?" And Batman's like, "They're the tool of my enemies. I study my enemies and their methods in great detail. Why wouldn't I learn everything I possibly can about guns?" So, <laughs> yeah, in this, that's for sure. It's a cool thing because it establishes that Bruce actually has a background in uh, firearms training, so that he would know how to hit targets if need be, which is kind of established somewhat in other parts of the main continuity where there are times where he picks up a criminal's gun to, like, shoot a button that, like, closes a door or something like that. Like, he... If he ever picks it up, a lot of times it is used to shoot something that's an inanimate object, not to shoot a person. Okay. Uh, But he ends up saving everybody and... Capturing Floyd Lawton and rescues him and Floyd doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get fucking rescued because he has a death wish but Batman's like I'll let you decide what you whatever the hell you want to be Uh, and throws him into Arkham Asylum and ends up assuring Alfred afterwards telling him you're more of my father to me than Thomas Wayne will ever be which is kind of a nice sweet moment. Uh, between the two of them because of the fact that Thomas Wayne is a criminal and is everything that he hated and everything that he has to sort of redeem the Wayne family name for, whereas right. Alfred was the one who stayed behind and actually taught him his morals and, and taught him how to actually be Batman. So I think this comic, if anything, when I'm when going through it, it sort of solidified to me Telltale Batman is definitely one of my favorite versions of the character just in general, uh, and part of it is just because yeah. of the the creativity and fucking around off canon, but also staying true to so many aspects of the emotional aspects of the character. Like obviously, the Telltale Batman is in, enforces the no kill rule a lot better than a lot of the other adaptations we've seen. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Because like, if that was uh, the Batfleck Batman or Michael Keaton Batman, Deadshot would just be dead. <laughs> you yeah. would just shoot him. <laughs> but yeah. it, 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 and it wouldn't be nearly as dramatic. But in this version, it, it's different. Uh, but Uh, It does end with Floyd Lawton having a visitor in Arkham Asylum in a very familiar scene to those who have played Arkham Origins because the visitor, we don't see the face, but the visitor says, I'll need you for a job. Extremely dangerous. You might even say suicidal. And so it's hinted that that visitor, of course, is Amanda Waller, who's going to be in Season 2 of the video game. And that's how Floyd gets into the Suicide Squad as Deadshot. But this is the telltale version of Deadshot, personally, I think this is the best version of Deadshot that I've read simply because of how well he's tied into the psychological underpinnings of Bruce or seeing the parallels of Bruce as opposed to just many different versions where most of the time he's just introduced as a hitman type guy and Bruce just has to, kind of like an Arkham Origins or in Arrow or whatever, There, it's kind of how he's usually introduced, but this one actually cuts the heart of what could make him an interesting opponent. It always is a
1: very sensitive, emotional take Mm-hmm. more than most, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, even more than Arkham in, in a lot of ways.
0: Uh, you mean uh, the Telltale the, version?
1: Yeah, yeah, the Telltale version of, this. All the their general uh, screenwriting style mm-hmm. is a lot more, I'd say, the word that comes to mind is sensitive.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think for, they, For, uh, for me. They, they definitely wanted to put a stamp on it and I think it was smart to do that and, it does seem, I know we keep harping on it, but it does seem like Matt Reeves has taken some inspiration in that he recently, yeah, as of this yeah. recording, said in the news that he saw his Batman as a humanist as right, somebody who right. uh, is out to look and support for others. Uh, which, you know, if some people might agree or disagree on that, but he is supposed to be somebody who does have compassion. He is supposed to be somebody who cares about other people and wants to save people. You know, there's that great line. In Kingdom Come, where Superman says, "If there's ever a similarity between Superman and Batman, it's that neither one of us wants anyone to die."
1: The only other thing, too, that I've thought of—that's oh, a great line. I mean, I love Kingdom Come, but mm-hmm. I think um, the, there's another similarity with Batman and Superman, which is great, is that they're both um, like being a hero is kind of a burden. Mm-hmm. Like they sort of they want to do it, but it's not like. Like If you compare it to The Flash, like The Flash is so... He's having fun with it. He he loves being The Flash. It's not really a burden. He thinks it's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's, it's like the best thing ever, whereas right. it's more of like a sense of duty for Batman mm-hmm. and Superman, I would say. It's a little right. bit... Le- it's less fun. So um, I think that's one similarity that they share as
0: well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. On that, And some people are just like, well, what the fuck are you complaining about? One of you is rich and the other one has superpowers. But, I mean, if, you, if you've if you stepped into their shoes when reading a lot of the great stories that explore, you know, where they come from, then you sort of realize why that is. Yeah. Or why they might not be happy all the time.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they've got the gravitas, <laughs> the deep sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. a sense of depth and a sense of duty.
0: Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah that's, yeah, that's,
1: I mean, they're, they're similar in that way.
0: Yep, exactly. But, yeah, that is the Sins of the Father comic arc. It is available on DC Universe, and I think probably Comixology, uh to buy. Uh, but either way, I think it's a great addition to the Batman universe. Uh, as usual, there's some things that I didn't cover in the comic, but I covered the main beats and how that ties into the Deadshot character. Uh, but overall, I'm, I'm going to miss seeing more versions of the Telltale take on these things i do think season one was stronger in their reinventions than season two but uh i'd still love to see more and more of what these writers would have in mind for future adventures
1: yeah you get it does have the sense of like like i said they're sensitive and it's just overall the writers really give a shit and they've done Mm -hmm. their homework and of course i think no more than me at least probably at least as much as ben almost about the the mythos so Mm -hmm. i think uh I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely. They're definitely. They've definitely been a treat so far. Like everything I've I've learned about Telltale, so that's right. cool. I'd I'd love to hear Kevin Smith and especially Mark Bernardin go over Telltale shit at some point. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure Bernardin is play. Bernardin is a gamer. Actually, Kevin Smith does not play video games, but uh, Mark Bernardin does. So it'd be cool to see him his reaction on that as well. But uh, yeah, I bet he's yeah. That or was at least heard of it. That was cool, man. I mean, that's what—that's—that's that's how a writer can make his stamp, right? Is that you? Uh like Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing or mm-hmm. Grant Morrison did with Animal Man, you you take a kind of a D-list character and you and you really make something of them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if Telltale does that with Deadshot, that's that's really cool, I think. And yeah. at the beginning of this episode, I thought you were talking about Deathstroke, and I was confused, but <laughs> about three minutes in, and I was like, oh, yeah, Deadshot. Yes, I got it, for sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So yeah, that was cool, man. And um, speaking of Superman, achievement unlocked, everybody. Um, we there will be there will come a day where there will be a little bit less Batman and a whole lot more Superman. But that's all I'll say about that right now. Yes. Um, thanks for listening to this mini. Um, those that listen to the mini get that little bit of extra info about our our plans for the
0: future. But, Indeed.
1: Uh, is that pretty much it, Ben?
0: That is pretty much it. So uh, that is yeah. Once again, it sins of the father find it on DC Universe.
1: Okay, cool. Um that's pretty much it, Superhouse Mini. Check out uh um Superhouse Pod on all the social media. You know where to find us and uh, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Um shout out to Cookie Noms and to uh Matt Herring and to Elijah B and uh also uh open up your phone. Please uh open up a voice recorder app. And then record, you can record something like, you guys fucking rock, or I love Superhouse, or whatever. And if you send that recording, share it to the email, uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. We will put it on an episode, and you too will become a part of Superhouse. And another way you can be- become a part of Superhouse is to join the Shasta Army on patreon.com slash superhousepodcast. We have a $1 tier there and um, we will be upgrading our tiers in the future as well to accommodate our growth. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Take it away, Ben.
0: Uh, Yeah, and you can follow us on Instagram at SuperHousePod, uh, as well as Twitter uh, on the same handle, SuperHousePod. And uh, I think that's it. Usually I save the social media shout-outs for the full episodes so that nobody feels cheated that they were only mentioned in a mini So I think that's pretty much my, yeah, that's it for me. So Ben signing off.
1: Andrew signing off. Bye.